if you want to open your Bibles, be in the Psalms, where we're going to kind of camp out here, Psalm 121. Again, going to read a, quite a few verses today, but let's read all of Psalm 121. So just short review, we're going through the basics, and what are the basic truths that we need to know each day, and a summary way to teach our kids and help encourage our own hearts as adults throughout the day. So far we've done, why did God make me? And we said God made us, God made me to serve him, to be like him, to be with him, all my days. We asked the question, what is God's word? We said God's word is bread because it feeds us. It's a mirror because it reveals us. It's a path because it guides us. And it's honey because it delights us. So today we're going to cover actually two questions. Kind of one question with two parts, but the question we're going to cover today is, who is God? Who is God? I took the answer for this question directly from uh, Jason Rebecca's Children's Catechism, Children's Gospel Catechism uh, book, and th- I thought this was a really good answer. And it was, God. there's a lot of ways to answer, who is God? But this is what um, they said, God is the creator and keeper of everything. God is the creator and keeper of everything. So let's read Psalm 121, and you can look for those two pieces here. I thought Psalm 121 is the best place to see both those. God is the creator and keeper of everything. So let's start in verse 1, Psalm 121.1. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in forevermore. Does anyone have a different word in their translation other than keep, keep, keeper, keep? Keep, keep, it says in mine. Anybody have a different word? Guard, okay. Is there a third? There may be, maybe not. Watch, okay, yeah, those are actually the three, yeah. So um, that same word could be keep, watch, or guard. And some, I, it's nice to read different translations because, you know, you get a different feel. And he who watches you will not slumber. Behold, he who watch, watches Israel neither slumbers or sleep. The Lord watches over you. Gives you a different feel. Same idea, different feel. Same with guard. The Lord is your guard. The Lord will guard you from all evil. He will guard your life. The Lord will guard you. You're going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So when it says keep, it's keep, but it's also watch. It's also guard. So the Lord is your keeper kind of has a pretty full meaning there. Um, and so that's the first part. The Lord, God is the creator and keeper of everything. So look at verse 2 here. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So that's God being our creator. This question is huge. Who is God? 
And like we talked about before, trying to communicate the truths of the Bible in a way that is biblical, such as a summary of verses or a paraphrase of verses, but also that is understandable for even a three-year-old could remember it, understand it, and apply it. And so these two pieces we'll talk about in order. God is the creator. Uh, we'll start with that. And to do that, I'm going to actually do a slideshow, and I'm going to read uh, just from Genesis here. You don't have to turn there because I'm going to show some pictures. So this is just a reminder that our help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. God made everything. God is the creator of everything. It's foundational um, in our understanding. And so I'm just going to read through most of Genesis 1 here and just show some pictures, and I might have a little comment on it. But just marvel and just praise God. We could just use this time, second round of worship here, just look at the pictures, say thank you, Lord. And also, what a good God that we can, that can, we can trust, a big God. So I'm going to turn this light off here. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there it goes. Uh, maybe. Or was that you? Let's see. Maybe I'm oh, lights lighten up. Let's see. I may just have to signal to Darren here. Sorry. Sounds good. <laughs> let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters so that so that the waters under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let dry land appear and it was so God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas and God saw that it was good it's amazing really you know pausing here just to praise God that all these things are things we see you know every day that the picture before this uh, was just on my drive home on Sunday, last eve, last Sunday after the college Bible study, and it doesn't really do it justice, but the cloud was just huge, and it was amazing. It's like, wow, this is awesome. And this next picture is a picture I took um, in France. I lived over there. It's a it's a lake fed by mountain snow and super clear and, and it's in the mountains very beautiful um, next let's see just opportunities to worship each day 
And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens, to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and for years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens, to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. This is actually the moon. And it is middle, it's not the middle of the night, but it's night. It really does give light in the night, especially when it was snowing. It's like, this looks like daylight outside. And it was just the moon um, reflecting off the snow. And God said, let the waters swarm with living creatures, And let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. I'll tell you what these are. Have I showed this before? Does anybody remember this? Okay. This is, hopefully this will cause you to praise God. Because this is really amazing. These are called diatoms. They're single-celled organisms that live in the ocean. And... And so each one of these is a a single-celled organism, and this pretty design is the cell wall, which is made of basically glass, um, silicon, and silicon. um, And they produce more oxygen than all the rainforests combined. This is a microscopic view. They're, like I said, single-celled, so you can't see them with the eye, naked eye, see how beautiful they are. They produce more oxygen than all the rainforests combined, between 20 and 50 percent of all the world's oxygen. And then they also suck up between 20 and 50 percent of all the world's carbon. And then they sink it into this glass, basically, um, that makes up these beautiful designs. And so you can see this, and you've probably encountered diatonaceous earth before, and you've heard of that. They use it in silver polish, and they used to use it in toothpaste, but they don't anymore because basically you're brushing your teeth with glass, which is a tiny piece of glass, but crazy. Um, And that's what this is. Those are tiny, tiny pieces, and they're probably broken. But if you've taken a biology class, you might have actually seen these. If you guys took a biology class at Truman, maybe you guys looked at these as well. That's where I encountered them, and you can see them under the microscope. Um, but there are places on the ocean floor where there's a mile, half a mile deep diatonaceous earth, which is just these little tiny pieces of glass single-celled, half a mile. And they're smaller than you can see. And God made all of them. <laughs> and humans have only seen 
point zero 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 you know one percent of all that have ever existed and they're amazing amazingly beautiful and and actually nobody saw it for a long long time <laughs> think about that all that time people were brushing their teeth with this and this is what it was God made this wonderful and this is just one example you know we could we could probably spend all day just on a, a few of these views of the cell on the inside and you know the stars and the bigger you get the smaller you get it's still beautiful God made it wonderful and it's it's amazing and how useful not only beautiful but essential right essential to our life here on earth praise God let's see here I think we're still on birds and, and fish with the sea swarm okay so this this is whales it's kind of interesting you you probably many of you maybe have heard of this but these are beluga whales actually I better look back at Darren if I say anything that's not true Darren you can just tell me because um, okay I think these are beluga whales and they got trapped in the ice when it froze for winter and uh, so it's so far that they can't swim so they're trapped there all winter and they just come up for air over and over and over all winter and they lose, they're losing weight obviously they weren't supposed to be trapped but it's just amazing to me that when God made everything how amazing that they kept that um, piece of ice open all winter by just surfacing and breathing and going back down and they take turns and uh, that they can survive there on their fat, make it all the way through until it melts again for however many months that is, six months. But just a few examples of when God made all that, made the sea swarm and the, and, and the skies filled. So let's go to the next one. Just a hummingbird. Just beautiful. <laughs> I'm sure you see them at your window or if you have a hummingbird feeder. Amazing. We had a neighbor one time, had a little girl like four years old, and a hummingbird hit a window, and she didn't know any better. It was just lying on the ground. She just picked it up, held it in her hand, which probably you shouldn't do. But it's a little hummingbird, beautiful. And eventually it kind of woke up, flew off. <laughs> really amazing, just beautiful. Maybe one day we'll be able to do that in the new heavens and the new earth, be able to call the birds to us and see them. Yeah, just one example. We could spend all day. Okay. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion. Let's pause right there. I'm going to start with the livestock. Um, I never really appreciated cows or appreciated cows very much, but when I, again, back when I lived in France, this isn't my picture actually, I couldn't find a good picture, but what they would do is they would take the cows every summer up into the mountains because the grass would grow up there, and then they would have this big parade in the town that I lived in, and where it, basically in English just pray to the cows, and they would all come back down, they'd bring the cows off the mountain, um, when it was getting ready to snow and they would basically live in town and it was a big deal to them and probably from 100, 200 years ago huge, the cows were their li livelihood but I never really thought well cows are amazing 
until I was up in the mountains and I saw cows on hills that I could not walk on, just like walking on, like bending down, eating. It was unreal. It was like goats, except they were like, you know, 2,000, 3,000 pounds or however. And so this is the best picture I could find. And then there's one more, I think. It gives you kind of a, um, a view of how steep and amazing that cows can even walk on that. You see cows in Missouri, you don't think. Giant mountain goat, you know, but that's what they are. And it was, it was just amazing. Uh, beautiful. And it was, yeah, it was beautiful. Praise God for cows for a lot of reasons. Milk. And, and then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Oh, yep. <laughs> man. <laughs> this. Again, I was thinking of the kids, you know, as we make this. This is Joy's favorite animal when we were uh, we would watch nature documentaries. It's called a tarsier. I think it lives in Madagascar. Really weird looking, but kind of cute. Like looks kind of like a stuffed animal. Um, that was the best picture I could find of that. So, God, just amazing. More probably. I mean, I wonder if you, any of you have ever seen that before. Maybe a couple of you, but just the amount of animals that God made. So it's amazing. It really did fill the earth. Huh? God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then I think there might be one more. Male and female. We could, then you, we can turn it off here. Just a reminder. And God saw that everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Praise the Lord. There's so much just to thank God every day for the things we see and many things that we now have the ability to see that 50, 60, 70 years ago we, we couldn't sit in our house and, and see these wonderful things. Um, praise God. We can praise God for all that he made. He is the creator of everything. And so as we move on to the next, I mean, God's not only the creator of everything in heaven and earth, but he's our keeper, the God who made all that, made the earth, the moon, the sun. He's the one that keeps us. So let's go back to Psalm 121 and focus on that, that side of it, God being our keeper. I'm just going to read a lot of verses kind of that give you a little bit of different feel on God being our keeper as we go through this. So I'll read a verse from Psalm 121 and then I'll read a couple other verses that kind of tie into that and then we'll just keep going go through it. Remember God is the one that keeps us. He watches us, he guards us. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Who made heaven and earth? It's important, really, that we know that God's our creator before we know that he's our keeper. What a good God. After seeing all that, think about this. This is what God says to the patriarchs Genesis 28. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go. That's where our help comes from is God. 
the God who made everything. Verse 3 in Psalm 121. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. There's a verse in First Samuel that says, Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him, or to keep him, that he might kill him in the morning. But Michael's wife told him, if you do not escape with your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. Same idea that God watches over us while we sleep. Same phrase, Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him in the night. Watch over him while he sleeps. God is like that, except positive. God, while you're sleeping, God's there. He's watching. He's watching over you. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. He's guarding. Verse 5. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is the shade on your right hand. David says in Psalm 16, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Psalm 25, Guard my soul. There's that same word, guard or keep. Guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. We have a refuge, somewhere we can go to be kept, to be guarded, to be watched. And that's God, the God who made everything. God watches us. Just like a shepherd watches sheep. First Samuel 17 says, David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took provisions as he went. Just like David left his sheep with someone to watch them, you've been left with somebody. Not left, but you're with someone. You're never left alone. God is your keeper. God's your shepherd. God watches over you. Another verse about David. David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. That's in First Samuel seventeen twenty-two. Just like the person who's left with the baggage, they're in charge. I'm going to keep this safe. I'm going to guard it. I'm going to watch it while you're gone. That's what God is for you. God's in charge of you. You're God's to watch and to keep. And I want you to think about this idea of the shade on your right hand. It's not something that we really would say, God's the shade on on my right hand. It's kind of a Israelite, um, almost like an idiom, just something we wouldn't say today. But Isaiah 30, 2 and 3, I'll read it to you here, kind of gives you a feel for what they mean when they say it. And this is in in the negative. He's saying, instead of coming to me to be your shade on your right hand, to be your protection, to be your refuge, he's saying they went to to Egypt. But they use it uses the same language. And so he's saying that the people rebelled, who set out to go down to Egypt without asking for my direction, to take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh, and to to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. So you see that idea of. Under someone's shadow is the idea of protection and seeking shelter in their shadow. Therefore shall the protection of Pharaoh turn to your shame 
and the shelter in the shadow of Egypt to your humiliation. So even though we wouldn't say shade on God's the shade on my right hand, what it's talking about is God is our shelter, God's our refuge, God's our protection and our help. Someone bigger than us uh, that we're running into their shadow or running, we might say it, if we were going to say it, we might say, you know, hide behind his legs or something like that, like kids do, you know, but the way they said it was um, the shade on, on his right hand. So that kind of gives you a feel for what that phrase means. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Again, the idea of a shelter, of a refuge, of protection. You're not going to be out in the middle of nowhere um, with nowhere for shelter. You're going to be with God. God will be your shelter. He'll be the shade on your right hand. And let's keep going here. Verse 7. The Lord will keep you from all evil. The Lord will keep your life. So this word keep and watch and guard is a broad word. I mean, it's somebody's in charge of something. So they're, they've got a task and their task is to keep this thing protected. Well, that's you. And that's God is your protector. God is your guard. God is your keeper. A couple of verses that give you a feel for this. If a man gives to his neighbor a donkey or an ox or a sheep or any beast to keep safe and it dies or is injured or is driven away without anyone seeing it, um, it goes on to basically describe that that man's responsible. And God, he's the one that guards you and he's responsible for you. That's a comforting thought. Where does my help come from? It comes from God. First Samuel again, a lot of First Samuel here, but these different ideas of keeping, watching, guarding come up a lot. David said to Ashish, very well, you shall know what your servant can do. And Ashish said to David, very well, I will make you the keeper of my head for life. Or ESV says, my bodyguard. So someone whose task was to protect the king, a bodyguard, the Hebrew was keeper of my head. Keeper of my head. This, this is the idea, keep your life. God is there. God is watching. God's there, not just there watching, but he's there to protect, to guard, to keep you. Uh, on the negative side, again in First Samuel, David, remember when David goes into uh, Saul's camp and everybody's asleep and he puts his spear next to his head. You guys remember that story? This is what uh, he says to the person that was supposed to be the keeper of his head but was sleeping. The thing you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, you deserve to die because you have not kept watch over your Lord, the Lord's anointed. And now see where the king's spear is at the, and the jar of water that was at his head. Oh, I think he grabbed the spear. He took it with him. That's how it went. Um, so I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head. But basically he did not keep watch over him. Instead he was sleeping. Okay, let's read the next verse here. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So keep your going out and your coming in. Uh, the Hebrew, again, is someone who, um, 
who's put a is like a person who is a guard at a door, and I'll read you a couple of verses on that. This is from Second Kings. Go up to Hilkanah the high priest, that he may sum the silver which is brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the door have gathered from the people. Keepers of the door. So when someone's standing at a door, guarding those who go in and out, they're called a keeper of the door. And so you see the imagery there in this verse. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in. It's like somebody standing at your door. Who comes in, who goes out. They know when, you're, when you come in, they let you in. And when you, you leave, they're there protecting you and, and your home. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So let's apply this a little bit before we do the second half of this question. And then we'll, we'll, we'll do one more question here after this. Um, second half of this question, who is God? How does, this, how does this apply to your life? Well, this psalm is a wonderful psalm to apply to basically any situation. I mean, everyone here has difficulties. And what are your difficulties? Are they outside? Are you worried about something outside coming in? God will keep you going out and you're coming in. He'll be the guard at your door. Is it something internal? Something that you're sin? Maybe you're worried about sin in your heart. The Lord will keep your foot from slipping and he'll keep you from all evil. The Lord will keep you. Run to him. You've got sin that you, you want to be delivered from? Run to your keeper. You've got sickness. The Lord is the keeper. He keeps your life. He guards your life. That We have a shepherd, a father, a husband, a friend, a redeemer, an advocate, a teacher, a helper, a vine dresser, all these things are ideas of someone who's keeping something. The Lord is keeping the servants. The shepherd is keeping the sheep. The father is keeping the children. The husband is keeping the family. The friend is keeping the friend. The redeemer is keeping the redeemed. The helper is keeping the one who helps. The one he's helping. The vine dresser is keeping the vine. God is there to keep you, to guard you, to help you. Whatever you're going through, whether it's outside, inside, whether it's something you know about, something that you don't understand, in all these ways, God is there to help you. We can run to him. It's very important. Something that we can really apply every single day. And as parents, you know, teaching these things to our kids. It's something we talk about every day. I mean, there's a lot going on in a kid's life, but part of it is basically trying to develop security, right? They run to the parent when they're scared, and they go out and explore, and then they run back to the parent. And as they get older and more mature, they go farther out, and they're comfortable to be alone more and more. But constantly we're working through, at least with us, things our kids are scared of, and we're constantly talking about, well, Who's with you? Who can you trust? God. God is the answer. 
because one day it's not we're going to be gone, Lord willing, and our kids will still be here. It's not just us, it's God we want them to trust with every piece, internal, external. We want God. We need God. So God is our creator and our keeper. Where does our help come from? It comes from God. God's able to keep you, right? The God who made the whole earth, the God who made all these wonderful things, he's able to keep you. He's shown himself to be both good and powerful, and we can trust him. Really, this is quite a quick review, um, but I want to cover one more thing today before we do communion, and it'll be a little bit quicker than this first part. But it's a follow-up question to who is God. And we basically did a whole series kind of on the Trinity, specifically focusing on God the Father, but we hit all the pieces. So this is the reason I feel like I can not spend a whole message on this is because we spent like six months on it kind of. (laughs) So the second part of the question, so the first question was who is God? And we said God is the creator and keeper of everything. That means you, that means me, that means the animals, that means whatever difficulties going on in your life, God is is our keeper. He's the one that guards us, watches us. And the follow-up question, is Jesus God? Is Jesus God? Yes. God is the Father, the Son, that's Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Is Jesus God? Yes. God is the Father, the Son, that's Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. So I just wanted to cover that. You know, Like I said, we just spent quite a long time covering that. Let's do it briefly for the kids. I mean, this comes up a lot. And as we read through the Bible, you know, uh, kids, especially young kids, ask questions uh, similar to this. The other, you know, another catechism, I think the Westminster says, Arthur, how many persons are in the Godhead? I actually tried to teach that to Joy, but she didn't, it didn't compute. <laughs> so we, I, ask her, I ask it this way, is Jesus God? And um, it's asking the exact same thing. Yes, God is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So let's look at just a couple of verses here. I will ask you to turn just to three more verses and then we'll be done. But just want to cover this because this is important. I mean, the reality is is that this, though we're only spending you know, one week on this question, next week we're going to talk about what is sin. It's, it's so important. You know, when we talk about the basics, we've got to have who God is. Uh, who God is. And we also have to have, how can we be right with God? And we're going to go over both of those, you know, over the course of the series. But this is huge. Who is God? And is Jesus God is a huge question. God is the Father, the Son, that's Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. We have to know who God is. We can't trust a false God to be saved. You can't, you know, you can't overstate the importance of knowing who God is. Let's look at a couple of verses here um, real quick. Real quick, just so you can see this. Let's do God the Father first. Galatians 1, 1. It's a good verse here on God being the Father. Good chosen many verses on this, really. God is called God the Father over and over and over. Very clear that God is the Father. But Galatians 1, 1. Paul an apostle not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Just right there, 
just God the Father. That's his name. We can see that the Father is God. Now, a lot of places you could go for Jesus being God, um, but in some ways it's kind of interesting because a lot of times when you have to talk or explain that Jesus is God, that's not that Jesus became a God, it's not that Jesus was a man and then something happened, Jesus is God forever. Um, and when you have to explain that to people, a lot of times it might be like a Jehovah's Witness, and so they've actually tried to go through and change the verses. So the amazing thing is that it's so much in the Bible, they couldn't change all the verses. They couldn't find them all. And so I like to think about maybe some verses that aren't the first verse you would think about, because sometimes you have to turn to a different verse. I really like this verse in Acts 20.28 20, to show that Jesus is God. Acts 20.28. 20, and it ties back in well to God being our creator and our keeper. Acts 20, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. Think about that. Think about what that really says there. To care for the church of God, which he obtained with his very own blood. There's, there's actually multiple ways in the Greek that you could say his blood, and it uses this emphatic way of saying it to notice his very own blood. It's, it's his very own blood. Um, although that's a little awkward in English, but it's very emphatic. The blood of God. <laughs> There's only two he's in this verse, the spirit and then God, the church of God, which is the immediate context. God, the blood of God. God obtained you with his blood. And we all know that that's Jesus. It's obvious that, that Jesus is God. It was the blood of God that purchased your salvation. Pretty amazing. Is it, what does the NAS say there, That just the last half of that verse? Is it exactly word for word the same, or is it a little different? The church of God, is that what it says? What's it say after that? Which he purchased with his own blood. Okay, that's good. Well, let's just think about this in relation to what we just talked about, about God being our keeper. God is the creator and keeper of everything. The creator of everything, God obtained you, purchased you with his very own blood. What a wonderful guard, watch, watcher, keeper God is, that he came down, sinful man, watched them rebel, and instead of wiping them out, was patient, and in, and in time, at the perfect time, sent his own son, became himself to die and purchase us redeem us from our sins, rescue us by his own blood. What a wonderful truth. Amazing that God would shed his, well, first, that God would take on blood at all, right? Become immortal for you. Praise the Lord. You know, if you're not unsure if God is a good keeper, if he's a powerful keeper, the cross is is amazing. It shows both the power and the love and goodness of God. 
If he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not with him graciously give us all things? It, it's amazing. You know, really to think, here's sinful humanity, and uh, how are they going to be kept? How's God going to guard them and watch them and keep them? Because they've chosen to sin, to rebel. It's amazing that the cross, God thought up the cross, <laughs> rescued us when it seemed impossible. He did it because he cares for us. We're his flock. Hmm. The value there that you have. Well, let's do one more. Let's do one more place here that is important. I hope this verse is helpful to you. Remember this, you could circle this, especially if you're talking to maybe a Jehovah's Witness or or Mormon or something like that. Um, It's a great verse. Show that Jesus is God. Then let's jump back a little bit in Acts to see that the Spirit is God in Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Verses 3 and 4. Peter said to to Ananias, 5.3, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man but to God. You see there that he lied to the Holy Spirit, and he lied not to man, but to God. The Holy Spirit is God. And actually, this is kind of a good place to wrap up this, these two questions. I'm just going to remind you, the two questions were, who is God? God is the creator and keeper of everything. Is Jesus God? Yes. God is the Father, the Son, that's Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Remember we talked about why did God make us? God made it, made us to serve him, to be like him, and to be with him all our days. It's important that we know that God is our creator. Why? Who gets to decide who gets to decide what our our role is? Do we get to decide? We don't, because we were made by God. We didn't make ourselves. We don't decide our purpose. God, the, our Creator, did. And what it is, is our purpose is to serve Him, to be like Him, and to be with Him all our days. God is the Creator, knows you. He put you in your family, God appointed the times and the dwelling places of every person, and he put you where you are for a reason, and he's given you a specific purpose. God made you good. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He's willing to keep you, to guard you. You need to trust him. Trust him. One way we know we can trust him is because he purchased you with your with his own blood. He loves you deeply. We never could have imagined that God would die for us. 
A human being would never have thought of that. It's too much to ask. One, how could God die? We'd have to become a man first. Why would he do that? Because of his great love for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his own son out of his great love for us that we could serve him, be like him, and be with him. And all those were purchased by the Son, Jesus, sent by the Father, and then accomplished by the Spirit living in us, who Jesus sent. So, there's a lot here, more really to think about than just a day's worth, but if you remember it throughout your day, you can think about these things, even kids, you know. I think we've talked about this before, but talking with our kids, well, when is this important? When do you think about this? Well, when when I have a nightmare or, you know, whatever. I mean, there's a lot of situations going on um, in, in your life, in your children's lives, where we can pour these things in. Last thing I'll say in terms of application for just with your children, you know, these... I've been using these questions when we have, I've, I've been using these questions is as we read through the Bible, we talk about these, because basically every story you go through almost all these questions, which next week is what is sin, which applies to a lot of the Bible, but who served God in this story, who was like God, who was with God, you know, was God keeping anyone here, was God watching, who's in control of all this that's going on, it's God. It's something that we can remember and think about in our daily life every day, but not only that, in each story of the Bible, something to connect it back to, the basics. And so I hope this is helpful to you pretty quick, but I think we're going to do communion here. So why don't we just pray together? Lord, we are thankful, and we don't want to just breeze through life and not praise you for all that you've made. And uh, we need help in it. Would you help us just to see again the wonderful world that you made and praise you for it. Thank you for families. Thank you for kids. Thank you for parents. Thank you for trees and water and everything you made. How beautiful you made the world. Thank you that you'll keep us. Keep us from evil. We pray you would keep us from evil in our own hearts and in the world. Just like we were singing, Oh, to be like thee, we want to be more like you. Keep our foot from slipping. We don't want to slip and uh, not be like you when we could be with our family, with our kids, um, with uh, others. Uh, we, We want to be like Jesus, but we need your help. Keep us, guard us. Thank you so much, Father, for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying for us. I pray that these things wouldn't just be um, just a sermon and we move on, but that you would help our kids and us to remember these throughout the day and to actually lean on them, not just know them. We need help in it. I pray just even this week is difficult situations come into our lives and into our minds instead of just mulling over them over and over that we just trust you 
that you're our keeper, you're the keeper of every person, and we just look to you for help in it. And just ask for forgiveness for how, um, even just this week, how much I just focused on problems instead of focusing on you. I just need help in it every day. Pray you'd help us. Amen.